and welcome everybody. Uh, welcome to the premiere of The Mind Behind with our brand new host on talkradio.nyc, Graham Dobbin. I'm really pleased to uh, have him join our network and to uh, have him on the show tonight. I'm just here stepping in to help him kick it off. So let me introduce Graham to you. Graham is a coach, trainer, and facilitator, working with leadership teams from middle management to C-suite executives in a wide range of industries. Graham has worked with clients in the UK, United States, Africa, and Australia. Having owned and managed several companies, he brings a practical experience of leading change in developmenting and developing sales and leadership teams. For over 20 years, Graham has managed, motivated, and strategized for sales teams in B2B markets. His skill is supporting and developing team, sales teams and, and team leaders to maximize performance. While having a background in sales and marketing, Graham is sensitive to non-sales people playing an active role in the process. He actively coaches professionals to comfortably find their way of building strong, effective, and productive business relationships. Welcome, Graham, and congratulations on the episode <laughs> of The Mind Behind. Uh, thanks, Sam. I, I, I didn't recognize. I wondered who you were speaking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some some guy with a Scottish accent, I think. Oh, wow. That might be me. <laughs> yeah, I think it might be. So uh, I just, uh, you know, I wanted to do this with you for your first episode to kind of introduce you to our audience and introduce you to the network. So I, I thought it would be good if maybe we start off uh, kind of having you tell us a bit about your background, your journey. Um, you know, how you developed over the years. So I'm just curious, like when you were a young in, in school, um, did you ever have an inkling that this would be the kind of career you would have in the future? Um, I, oh, that's a long time ago, Sam, and everything was still in black and white, I think. <laughs> um, no, probably not. It, it, it's, that's, it's an interesting question because when, when I was younger, there wasn't, it kind of looked a little bit, Ahead, but I come from a you know a really working class background, blue collar area where you kind of looked and just you know most most jobs were trades so or going into the, the the local dockyard or the mines or something. So there wasn't a huge plan when I was younger about what I was going to do. I just kind of knew I wanted to do something a little bit different. Hmm. Ah, I see. I see. And so, uh, how? What was your entry point into business? What, what kind of got you started in the business world? Um, it's interesting. I I, I took a kind of a, a an office job when I left school. Um, I remember my dad telling me, as long as I wore a shirt and tie, I'd always be good. It was always a good job. Um, my dad was a coal miner. Um, ah. and then I decided to get into sales, and that was kind of my first opportunity to understand how business was running. And um, I spent many years in sales, um, selling all different really exciting things like office products and, and, and that type of stuff. Um, but later on, after I've been in for, I don't know, about 15, maybe 15, 20 years, probably 15 years, um, I fell into selling uh, a number of things which got me my first business. And the, the, the products I was selling was actually for office furniture. 
and it took me very, very quickly into, into different areas, into construction and negotiating contracts, which was just another form of selling. Um, so that, that was a, my very first business was as a partner in an office furniture co- kind of office fit out company. Um, something that, and, and you know, I know this is radio. Some people can see us. These these are not the hands of a practical person. So I was <laughs> never going to be the person that was going to construct anything or was, was going to build or anything. But, but certainly the business, my, my focus was on sales. But I learned very quickly, just you know what it took to run a business, run a team, employ people. And, you know, I learned the hard way in a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how long ago was that? Oh, now you're saying that, now you're trying to work things back, so you're going to start working out ages. This isn't fair. Um, probably, well, the best part, about 20 years ago. So, um, <laughs> I'm just trying to let people know how many yeah, no, years of experience you have. Absolutely. So let them know, like, you're not a schlock, yeah. you know? You know, I... You know, about about twenty years ago, I always I was always really curious about how things, you know, how business worked. Mm. Um, one of my connections to New York is I was born in the same town as town as Andrew Carnegie. Oh, um, so we were kind of brought up um, when I was younger. We were brought up in his stories mm. about how he'd left Scotland, how he come come across to the U.S., how he got to Pittsburgh in New York, and what he'd done with his money and how how he'd, you know turned into a philanthropist at the end. Um, so we were kind of brought up with in almost anything's possible. You know, we read, you know, we, we swam in these swimming pools that he built. We read these libraries that he built. I know he's famous for, mm. for um, um, donating two and a half thousand libraries worldwide. The first one is in Dunfermline in Scotland, which is about 10 miles north of Edinburgh. So these were just kind of the, the stories. There's actually a little side part to that as well. My mum, used to live on the same street he was born in. Really? And I live on the same street as his house in New York. And we didn't <laughs> realize that until I moved in. So this kind of thing goes all, all you know, full, full circle. But that, that was probably, you know, you're asking about influence when I was at school. That was one of them. That was definitely one of them. Just how can someone do something so spectacular as that? Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you had kind of that entrepreneurial bug from a fairly young age. That I would, yeah, I would say I, would, I was buying and selling things at school. Uh, I, you know, I was um, my, one of my first jobs was was selling homeware goods door to door when I was about thirteen. Oh wow! Uh, I did okay with that. You know, I always had a job. I always had mm-hmm. something that was making a little bit of money somewhere. Always, always. Cool. Cool. I see on our Facebook Live, uh, fellow Talk Radio NYC host Jeff Goodman is cheering you on. He said, go Graham. So uh, just to let you know, there are some people listening. Ah, excellent. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thanks for tuning in, Jeff. Um, okay, so, so you're in this furniture business, uh, and, and that was in Scotland. How did you end up coming to the United States? It wasn't actually in Scotland. It was in England. Oh, was I've got, oh, yeah, I've got, no, I missed that part out. I've got a big confession to make. I probably lived, well, no, probably, I have lived longer outside of Scotland than in. Oh. I'll never lose this accent. It's just kind of something that happens. I know you thought I was originally from Brooklyn. Right. Um, <laughs> we just, Scots never seem to lose their accent. Um, so, yeah, I moved. Um, one of the things that I did when I was about oh, 21, I moved down to Manchester in northern england and i spent i spent quite a number of years there 
And um, uh, yeah, so the businesses that I was involved in, my main business career was, was mainly in England, in Northern England. Um, um, so, that, so Manchester, across the north, and then in London. Mm, how did sense. I come to New York? Mm. Yeah, how did you get across the pond? <sighs> it's a strange question. Um, it's not a strange question. It's a strange story. Yeah. Um, I'd had a, a vacation in Texas, of all places, for work the previous year, about five years ago, five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed a, 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 a road trip all around Texas, went to San Antonio, Austin, Galveston. Mm-hmm. It just really, it, it was good fun. So the next um, time over, the, over the, the, the Christmas holidays, I decided that we were going to come to the States again. Mm-hmm. And I did something that nobody does in the UK, or very few people. I came to New York for two weeks. Everybody normally does a weekend or a long weekend. Uh, No plan. Rented an apartment from Airbnb and just thought, let's see what happens. And I knew I could get to Boston or DC or I could could just use it as a base to do something for two weeks. I absolutely fell in love with what most tourists Mm. don't see. Most tourists, you know, we're, we're, you see Midtown, you see all the, 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 the sites, you don't see real New York. Right. And at that point, I was in Williamsburg, so I spent two weeks in Williamsburg. Oh. I got to know the bagel guy, you know, within two days, I was getting free bagels and rugelash. <laughs> it was just, I kind of felt like part of the neighborhood within a week. Wow. So um, I thought maybe, maybe it's one of those holiday romances. I need to be really careful. So I came back six months later and decided to um, to spend two weeks in the Upper East Side. Uh-huh. So I went from Brooklyn to the Upper East Side. I thought I need to see something different, uh-huh. and did two weeks in the Upper East Side. I deliberately found as most Scots would your local bar. So I had to find I had to find my pub, and I had to find all these different things, and I did it. And within days, I just felt that this this was something I wanted to do. Wow. Um, and interestingly, I live about four blocks from that apartment now. Oh, really? Again, just how it's happened. Wow. You know, it's so funny. I always say that uh, you can't really be ambivalent about New York. You either love it or you hate it. Yeah. The same thing happened with my wife. You know, my wife came from China. And when she came, she came for like a month's vacation with, with some friends. And she had fully intended, even during the whole month that she was here, of going back to China until she made it up to New York City. And then she fell in love with the culture and the city. And then that was it. She ended up going to graduate school here and staying. And Nice. Quite a long time ago. It just kind of pulls you in, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. She also loves the bagels, too. She always loves the bagels. <laughs> Can you die? I think there's something special. There's actually a drug inside of bagels that just you know makes you decide that you have to stay in New York after you've had a New York bagel. You can never have a bagel in the UK after being here. I promise you. I absolutely <laughs> like cardboard. Um, so uh, yeah, so that that's the that's the basic story of of decided there was something I wanted to do mm. and just set about how do we do it. Right. And you know, the, 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 the strange thing is I ended up moving to New York, setting up a new business with no customers. Uh, I knew five or six people. I think mm-hmm. two of them still speak to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's only if I call them. 
Um, and it seemed just really logical at the time. That was two and a half years ago. Wow. Oh, just two and a half years ago. Just, oh, two and really a half year, a... just two and a half years ago. I know. I know. Really a new city then. <laughs> I, think, I think I got to take you for a tour around. You got to go on some of Jeff Goodman's uh, walking tours once we oh, get I, out I, of I've been on. I've been on many of Jeff's walking tours. Ah, okay, good. Yeah. good. Getting a good, uh, a good education of the city and listening to his show, you get a good education. Um, so we just got a couple of minutes before we go to break. I just want to ask you quickly. You said you, when you came here, you set up a new business. What kind of new business did you set up when you came to New York? It was a training business, partly training, partly coaching. But the, the main part of it was about how people approach building relationships. I think that's probably the best way of saying it. I mean, we'll, I know we'll go into a little bit more um, afterwards. But one of, one, of the things that I, one of the things I got really good at in the UK was community building pulling people mm. together. So whether it was around um, building personal networks, whether it was getting groups of people just activated themselves, um, really influencing how they work together, um, how they lead each other, how they, how they create opportunities for each other or maybe do specific projects. And that, that was what, what I came here to do. And, um, you know, I'll tell you after, certainly after, one of the one of the first things they did was was grab a major New York company as, as a client. Oh really? Wow. So um so yeah. So that, that 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 was the basis of it. But again, it was a lot of training, which is about facilitating conversations around leadership, sales, maybe in presentations. Okay, great, great. All right, so let's take this quick break. Um, and we'll go out and, uh, and when we come back, I, I just want to ask you a couple of more questions about what it was like setting up a business here in New York when you didn't even know anybody and sort of some of the, maybe some of the challenges you had around that. Okay, Graham. Thank you. All right. Awesome. So everybody stay tuned. You're listening to the mind behind with Graham Dobbin and we'll be right back after this. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc.
Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to The Mind Behind. I mean, with upbeat music like that, you know this has to be a good show, right, Graham? Oops, let me unmute you. I said... There we go. There you go. Uh, I'm landing, I'm landing, I'm landing. <laughs> no problem, no problem. So uh, I was just saying, uh, right, with music like that, it's got to be a great show. Uh, and Jeff, and Jeff uh, listening on the live stream says great show so far, so he's enjoying it. Um. I'm just curious, was there any, I, I want to ask you some more questions about what it was like when you came here, but before we do that, I'm just curious, other than kind of falling in love with what it was like here, were there any reason, other reasons why you left the UK? Were there, were there some things you were going away from or were you just purely going towards something? Wow, we've got deep tonight, Sam. Yeah, <laughs> hey, um, no, it was genuinely going towards. It was, um, I think I, I, I kind of got to one of those stages. Um, somebody said to me, I'm a risk taker. And I said, no, I'm not. And it kind of obvious I am. Um, I, think it got to, I think it got to the stage that if I didn't do it now, I wouldn't do it. Mm. So sometimes you just need to go and thinking about it logically. So if I was working with someone and they said to me, I'm going to move to a foreign country. We kind of don't know the, the landscape. We've got an idea. We've got no clients. Okay. We've got no this. I would say to them, "What are you doing?" <laughs> it just seemed good, and probably one of the things you, 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 you said before the break was, "What were the challenges?" The challenges were always small because I dealt with them at the time. If I'd realised the process I needed to go through from the beginning, I probably wouldn't have done it. Mm. You go so far in, then you find something else about visas and about consulates and about mm. all these different things you need to do. Um, but I've absolutely no complaints about how it was dealt with, how people helped. So it was, uh, it, it was good. But looking back on it, would I advise anybody else to do it? No, <laughs> absolutely not. What are you, what are you thinking? <laughs> yeah. so, so what would you say was the hardest part about starting a business here? Just not knowing the rules and regulations or something else? Um, there was a little bit of that. The, the, the starting the business was probably fairly straightforward. The, the launching the business was a little bit more difficult. Mm. And there are just some nuances here that you don't quite know until you're into the environment. Mm. And I think it's fair to say New Yorkers are extremely friendly, extremely warm, and extremely suspicious. <laughs> so yep. you, really need, you need to prove yourself yeah and all that's logical but you don't necessarily see it at the time and, and there was a constant needing to prove and just be then be consistent and i think that was probably one of the hardest things when things maybe because you know it will not start right away it will not necessarily move as soon as i'm a great believer i have written so many business plans in my life and you know, it's the, the next day when I wake up, it's out of date. Yeah, that, 
that's how these things are. But you know, we need we need some kind of projection of where we're going, mm-hmm. and that was probably the hardest part of just just you know, as with anything, any new business, any anything you're launching, you're going to kiss a lot of frogs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was probably one of the hardest parts. Um, but no different from anywhere else, just slightly different than anywhere else. What was your biggest surprise starting a business in New York? Um, I think the biggest surprise was just what I've spoken about before, how how you needed you needed to prove yourself to an extra stage. Once you proved yourself, you needed to go an extra stage and an extra stage. I think I was here 12 months when, when I heard somebody say, geez, he really does do that. He really does do what he says. Genuinely, it, would, it must have been 12 months. Wow. And thinking leadership, especially, it, I took a lot of lessons from that, that mm. sometimes you've got to be who you are. Mm. The, the, the authentic you will come out. So if you're trying to, you know, pull the wool over, is that, is that a saying, you pull the wool over someone's eyes? That, that, that's, a, that's a difficulty I've got. I've got to keep on checking all my sayings mm. to make sure that, so whether if, if, you're, if you're not saying what you really, who you really are, what you really think, you're going to get caught out in the city. People, yeah. you'll, only, you'll only do someone a bad turn once. Yeah. And yeah. then the rest of it comes. So it took, I think that was probably the hardest part um, was convincing people that, that what I was saying was actually true. Gotcha. <laughs> still, some people still don't believe me, Sam. Some people do. Mm-hmm. I, oh, <laughs> I can't believe anyone would not believe you. <laughs> uh, 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 were there any ex- uh, experiences you had, um, business or personal experiences in, in, in England or Scotland that you think prepared you well for coming over here? Um, yeah, I, I do because I mean I, I told you that I started up the furniture business. I've had more than more than one company, and you know I was involved. I was negotiating some extremely large construction contracts, and we were running large. We had about three hundred people at one point. Um, at the end of the sort of two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, not a good time to be in construction. Mm. You know, and it was quite interesting because I. I, I a lot of people can be very empathetic about that in New York. Yeah. So there was something that happened then, which which made us all really reevaluate what we were doing. Nothing was going to stay the same in the financial markets, within the real estate market, etc. Um, so that was when I decided to get back to what I was actually good at, and I think that prepared me for coming here. Because here's the thing: um, I've run some really successful businesses, really successful teams won some really big contracts, they're great, they're the trophies. You learn more from the bruises. Yeah. I've had some bruises on the way, and most people are not prepared to tell me about the bruises. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm quite open about this, because that probably um, prepared me more for some of the knocks, some of the little dents that you get when you're in New York. You know, and that's not unique to New York. It, happen, it can happen anywhere, but it... It certainly does. It, it, I think it's polarized here. Um, um, that probably prepared me more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's that old saying? You, you learn more from your failures than you do from your successes. At least that's been, been my yeah. experience. I, I, you know, I, it's, 
I, I'm a great, genuinely a great believer in that. Uh, and I'm not, I would never suggest anybody go and seek out some failure, but yeah. just be aware when it does come because the best business people in the world have had that. Mm -hmm. When it does come, there's always another way back out. There's always a way to deal with it. Uh, and it's how you deal with it. It's the same customer service. We all make mistakes. Yeah. We remember how it's been responded to rather than right. the mistake. Right, right. So it's about yeah. how, we, how we respond to things. Yeah, um, absolutely. So that, that's why I put so much on, on um, you know, the psychological side, the mental, the preparation for this mm -hmm. is about who we are. And that's what makes leaders. That's what shines through. Um, and most leaders, most great leaders actually can't tell you why they do what they do. It's just them, which is right. part. Right. It's part of your DNA. It's a part of your experience. It's part of everything that makes us uh, or makes you who you are in, in that day. Agreed. Completely agreed. Right. Right. Um, who did you, besides Andrew Carnegie, obviously, uh, who did you kind of look up to uh, before you came over here across the pond? Who were um, you, like, your role models? For in, in, in leadership? Um, yeah. yeah, leadership. Interesting. We'd probably, I would look up to, to, to people who were probably more sports than business leaders. Oh, okay. Uh, and Scotland again has a very strong presence in um, it, the, the, it. Real football, yeah. not the foot, not not the not the thing you call football. <laughs> <here>. Proper football. <laughs> it's a, a better be kind of soccer. It's New York Radio. Um, <laughs> but but Scotland Scotland are very very strong. Maybe not had the best football team for a few years, mm -hmm. but certainly in management and leadership, and um, brought some of the best out of the game. Uh, if not the best, and um, all from similar backgrounds, all dealt with uh, people in slightly different ways, but there was a there was a there was a real core to it. So those were people I I really looked up to. Um, yeah, that's something I hear a lot in 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 the business world is, is people looking to uh, uh, sports coaches um, and and just the way they worked with people and the way they had a certain perspective that was a little bit different than usually most people and how that tend to inspire them and, and really help them to, to look at life in a slightly different manner. I, I, find, it, I find it really interesting. I mean, I don't want, to, I don't want this to be Scottish-centric, but the, the, the sure. people that are, um, there were three managers who came through who are coaches, and we call them here, so Matt Busby, Bill Shankly, and, um, Jock Steen, who were, who were regarded as probably the best ever to come out of the UK, mm -hmm. um, all born within about 20 miles of each other. Oh, wow. And in the same generation. Oh. Very similar backgrounds, again, very blue collar, you know, working down coal mines, that type of thing. And then they, um, they were certainly the mentors for someone like Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, mm -hmm. um, who's the most successful um, football coach in the UK ever. He won so many trophies. I, but he will always tell you that these guys were, were, were his heroes. So those would be the people I, I, would, I would look up to. Um, but I always had a fascination as well with, with places, and New York was, a, was just a place 
mm. I probably hadn't appreciated how fascinated I was by it. Just all the old movies and, you know, there was just some draw about New York always. It just, um, I, I'm, I'm not romanticising about, you know, streets paved with gold and if you can do it here, you can do it anywhere. But there was something about the vibrancy of New York that I remember from being a kid. I've just been fascinated by it as well. Yeah. The combination. Yeah, absolutely. And, and listen, e even though we're a New York-based uh, internet radio station. Our listeners are around the globe, so I hope in Scotland. So I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure, like at least fifty percent of the people listening to the show know exactly what you mean by football, and the other fifty percent are clueless. <laughs> but but we got you. Let's hope fifty percent can understand my accent. How's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I think they'll let you pass. We've seen enough like James Bond movies and enough Braveheart that you know I think you can pass. All right, uh, let's take the next break. And when we come back, um, let's get back to what happened when you came here and starting your business and the work you do now and, and maybe what's changed in the last couple of months for you uh, as, as things have changed for, I think, just about all of us, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so everyone stay tuned. You're listening to The Mind Behind with Graham Dobbin, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%, fundraising, board relations, social media. My guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. that theme music i think you now have like my favorite next to mine of course the uh, theme oh, music on the station now I think. Jeff's, jeff's listening, listening. Jeff's yeah listening. jeff's listening 
Huh? I've got to be third. You got to be third. <laughs> Absolutely. And then Jeff says uh, he agrees New York is amazing. So your comments about New York, I think, resonate with him. So uh, just to remind everybody, you're listening to The Mind Behind, which starting today, June 4th, it will air at 7 p.m. every Thursday uh, Eastern time uh, right here on talkradio.nyc. Um, so Graham, uh, um, you started your business when you came in New York a couple of years ago. I'm actually gonna go a little bit more recent and then we'll go back. Um, what has changed for you in like the last two or three months since we've had the lockdown in the city? What have you had to do with your business uh, to keep it going, to keep it viable? Um, or maybe you didn't have to do much. Maybe you're already doing all this cool stuff. But I'm just curious, were there any changes that you had to make? Um, maybe one or two. My whole business was um, set up on face-to-face -face in group work. So, um, so there was a huge change. I mean, just before we had the lockdown, I'd been working in Australia for two weeks. So I managed to go from the, 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 this, one of the safest countries in the world and fly into here, back into New York, into the epicenter of everything. Um, so what happened really quickly before we, we kind of had any lockdown or anything here was companies were recognized. I'm working with you know, some large companies like BMW and Roche and those kind of guys. They're predicting, they're looking forward on, on stuff like this. So they began to postpone everything. So what we weren't having was, we weren't having anything cancelled, it was just being readjusted. So that was the first part. The second part was I took a really conscious decision. The, um, I do think we had the last live networking event in Manhattan before uh -huh. it closed. Oh, wow. um, and that'll come back when, when we're back out. Um, we, I was running breakfast in the Bahamas. How cool was that? <laughs> oh, man, you didn't invite me. God, I would have you, you, you were down for the second one. Um, <laughs> so, Tommy Bahamas on Fifth Avenue. And on the, on the Friday before oh, yeah. everything began to close in the Monday, we had, we had a, a, an extremely excellent face-to-face um, um, -face networking meeting there. Then all of a sudden it dropped. And I took a really big decision within about two or three weeks. I reached out to all my clients and said, look, I know everybody's going through, through things here. I'm here to help you as a resource. Forget about anything else. I'm here to help you as a resource. For example, teams were moving out. You were now looking at how do you keep teams motivated when they're in all different parts of the country? How do you keep team engagement going? How do you lead from that, from that far out? What do you do with sales teams when there's no sales to be made? So I, I, I kind of put myself out there um, to be able to help forget about this is not a pitch for business forget about business at the moment let's just bring in the resources so we're running lots of things around how to manage stress and change and, and all these types of things we're running creative workshops online for um, how do you brainstorm on, on how else can we go to market how can we be a resource for our client so that was one the public facing me sat quiet which i know you've probably worked out that's really difficult for me is to sit quiet um, sat quiet for about four or five weeks. Everybody was an expert at networking online. Everybody was an expert at, everybody was doing a webinar. Everybody was doing this, everybody was doing that. So I took a slightly different take. I didn't want to be, you know, just in the, this noise. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a few events, and to be honest, they were really, really downbeat. I didn't need any of that. Mm-hmm. So I kept away from it. Um, I've, uh, I've done a number of things online for a number of years, but decided to then go away and get some accreditation in it. So I went through a significant program on being able to present online, and facilitate online for you know groups of 20 to 30 people. How do you keep that active for maybe three or four hours? But also, how do you produce in the background? Because I always worked with the producer. So I wanted to see what that was like. Mm. So I spent that first time making sure that my skills were there, that when they were needed, when they were really, really needed, mm. I, I, I was up there. And it wasn't just because I had an account on, I don't know, Zoom or Google right. Hangouts or Skype or whatever they are. Right. You know, um, because everybody, so I think a lot of people have found that it's not quite as easy as they thought it would be, is right. to is to facilitate, keep people engaged, and really give true value. So that's how I've had to pivot in in the last last few months. At the moment, um, so it went quiet, which is uh, is always a good time to reflect and, and keep right. it going. At the moment, I'm working with companies in the UK, in Germany, and Australia. So my sleep patterns are all over the place. I'm working with I'm working with companies in the West Coast, and what is done is, as some things have closed, it's actually opened up lots of opportunity. Mm. Um, so I think the month before, so February, I worked in seven cities, in three mm. countries. Wow! In, in February alone, um, I'm now doing that in a week, but sitting at home. Wow. So it is it's. it's just be flexible with it, and, and it's, it's probably made me much better at what I do. Wow, amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, I'm just paying attention to the Facebook live stream here. Jeff is blowing it up for us. He does agree your music is more energetic than his, though. Um, <laughs> but he wants to, he has a couple of questions. Let me do this one at a time. Uh-oh. He says, Manchester Uh-oh. is one of the great cities uh, in the UK. Um, is there any way that you experience New York similarly to Manchester? Um, um, that, it's really insightful that there is. Um, my first year here, I lived in Brooklyn. Ah. And I remember coming out at Borough Hall. I was going down to that, that great uh, New York iconic building of Ikea. <laughs> um, <laughs> I came out of the subway. Um, at Borough Hall and just looked around the way. this is it. This is Manchester. <laughs> I did it so clearly. There was just so much going on. And there is a, there's a vibrancy. There's three cities I would say are very similar. Glasgow, mm-hmm. Manchester, and New York. And we've got New York is, is a bigger version of, of them or they're a smaller version of New York. But there's something mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's cultural. It's... Mm-hmm. it's so Manchester has um, um, statues of Lincoln. Mm. He was very, um, he, he, he took great pride in a lot of his dealings with Manchester and about how, how, he, how Manchester actually helped uh, a lot of the policies that he was trying to, trying to bring in place at that point. Okay. Um, and again, I see Brooklyn, Manchester, Glasgow, post-industrial, coming through, gritty, you know, probably had to fight for a lot, but really, really proud places, really proud. And I think that it's that pride. So um, <laughs> if you ever go to Manchester, 
if these people say to you, where are you from? They'll say Manchester. Or what are you? They'll say they're Mancunian. They won't say they're English. Oh. They're, they're, they're Mancunian, first and foremost, they're yeah. from Manchester. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and Liverpool's got some of that as well. But Manchester yeah. Liverpool, a bit like Boston and New York, there's a bit of rivalry there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they're very, very similar. Um, and it is, it's, that, it's that local pride and just like, yeah. this is where I'm from. I think it's really important in someone. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, a lot, lots and lots of similarities. <laughs> yeah, that's funny because like when I go abroad and stuff and people ask me where I'm from, I always say New York. I don't say the United States. Yeah, yeah. People actually, not, I mean, if, <laughs> there, is, there, is, there is a joke in Manchester, it's the Republic of Mancunia. It's like that we are a separate country, you know, just, just uh, leave it alone. Um, which is a bit tongue-in-cheek, but there, there, is, there, is, there is something about it that's, you know, we do it differently. And that's what I saw in New York. And it took, actually, that's quite, it's taken me to something else because I'm, I'm, I've been doing, I don't know for what, uh, I've worked down in DC, I've worked in Delaware, Ohio, Orlando, across the West Coast all in the last 18 months. Wow. And it's not until I go out in New York to realize how special New York, how different New York is mm. in the US. Mm. And, and, you know, yeah. how, how that identity in some people. And also I, I see some people's reactions to it. Some, mm. people, some people like it, some people don't. I really don't care. This is where I live. I'm good with it. <laughs> Jeff uh, on the Facebook Live says, please say that I think that Glasgow is the New York of Scotland, or more to the point, New York is like the Glasgow of the United <laughs> States. <laughs> I completely agree. I completely agree. You just don't have a decent football team here. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think there's like a women's uh, football, a women's soccer team that's oh, pretty good. You know, that we, we talk about experience. I've got to tell you about this experience. How lucky am I? Uh, so... One of the first offices that I had in, in, in New York was down at 25 Broadway, which I didn't realize. But this is the thing. Everywhere you are in New York, there's something important about it. I didn't realize that it was the old S&P building. So that was the old uh -huh. building. So when you look at the big shop, that's the building they're in. Mm -hmm. I had an office in there. How cool is that? Wow. So they had the ticker tape parade for the women's football team. My office faced Broadway. I was sitting out on the ledge five stories up, watching the ticker tape parade, everything happening around me. How cool is that? That's great. You, know, oh, that's great. Yeah, you can buy, buy moments like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, so yeah, interestingly, that was the first time, um, I, do like, I do like my football, I do like my soccer. Um, that was the first time I really got into women's um, football. Technically very, very good. Really, I was so impressed with, with it the technical aspect of it really it, it 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 was there it was enjoyable to watch yeah yeah okay good that's that's like a real new york story when you have a story like that to tell that then you're a real new yorker yeah it was it was terrible because people above were like hitting me with ticker tape it wasn't <laughs> i just couldn't not do it just yeah. phenomenal phenomenal that's wonderful that's wonderful Okay, um, it's actually time to take the last break of the show and then we're going to come back and, and we'll talk about kind of what your intention is around the show and stuff like that. And Jeff, I know you have one more question that I didn't ask yet. I just don't want you monopolizing the show. Okay, Jeff? You got your show on Tuesday night. This is Thursday night. 
okay? So I'll, but I'll ask that question when we come back. All right, Graham? Thank you. All right. So everyone stay tuned. You're listening to The Mind Behind right here on talkradio.nyc, and we'll be right back after this. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media. My guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Welcome back to The Mind Behind with Graham Dobbin. All right, Graham, I got one more Manchester question for you from Jeff. He's, he, he asked um, if, uh, <laughs> and he's like, oh, I thought questions were encouraged. <laughs> um, <laughs> not from Jeff. Not from Jeff, right. <laughs> anyone else. Uh, and anyone else has questions, type it in the Facebook Live. Um, uh, he asked, is there anything different in the way people relate to each other in business between Manchester and New York? <laughs> um, uh, it's an interesting question. Um, one of the things that I, I, I failed to spot for the first few months was that in New York, um, it, everything in, in the UK tends to be relationship-based. Everything is about um, getting depth in a relationship. Let, let's find out how we can do business together. You know, people get to know each other really deep depth. Whereas New York, it tended to be volume that I saw. So people would go to lots of events, want to meet lots of people, didn't want to, you know, the FOMO. I didn't realize how big it was, but people didn't want to miss out on something by being here. Whereas that's not the way in the UK. The UK is, I found, I found my community, how do I make it work? I'm not saying that doesn't happen in New York, but in, in general, it's just do as much as we can and get, get as much involved as we can. So that, that, was, that was probably one of the, one of the biggest um, differences that I see how people approach business. Um, and again, a little, bit of, a little bit of that's back to, um, I think maybe that, that, that 
feeds into a little bit of suspicion. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, 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 you know, I'm not saying that as, as a negative. I'm genuinely saying it's appropriate to have that. Um, but that, that, it's that wariness, that, that, that caution. Um, which uh, but, you know, when you're a New Yorker, it's like you've had enough people try and uh, pull the wool or successfully pull the wool over your eyes that after, yeah. you know, you get a couple of dents, a couple of bruises, that uh, you realize like, hey, people here, they, they don't always mean what they say and they don't no. always live up to their word. So that's kind of why I think, you know, when people get surprised when, you, when it's like, oh, he really does what he says he's going to do. That yeah. actually surprises people here. Um, and I, I think that I think that that's that's the difference. Um, if if the other thing is because it's smaller, you've got a smaller business community. So if you do wrong, uh, everybody knows. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you you, you <laughs> the word will get around very quickly. I mean, it's not a tiny say; it's a couple of million people. Yeah. Um, but word will get around. And one of the other things that did surprise me about here was how small the business community was. Mm. I have, I, I've done some events for Manhattan Chamber of Commerce and you know, a few others, which are 70, 80, 90, 100 people at a time. We have a bit of fun, uh, make some connections, get some opportunities going. But it's not the first time I've been walking down the street and I've heard my name shouted. <laughs> the first time, I'm like, no, it can't be. And I kept walking, and the shout was getting louder the more I read. Because I would turn around, I eventually turned around, it was somebody who'd been um, at, at one, of my, one, of my, um, one of my presentations. It happened to me, I'm walking through Union Square. And that was even worse, because I didn't recognize the person. Oh. <laughs> well, I've been presented in front of 100 people. Like, I don't get to meet everyone. They see me, I don't see them. Right, but right. They came running up to me as if I was a long-lost friend, gave me a <laughs> hug. You know, I've got a New York hug from him. And it's great to see you. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> so, so that, that's happened. And that was, I, I was surprised. I, I, I've, you know, it doesn't happen every day, but I'm surprised by how many times I bump into people I know. Um, yeah. In Midtown and everything, it's, which is quite, it, it's, it's quite endearing about New York because you wouldn't yeah. expect it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And New York is a small island. People forget this. It's only 12 miles long and like two and a half miles wide. So yeah. there's not a lot of space here. Um, all right, let, let, let's let's talk about uh, the show a little bit. Well, uh, what's your intention behind the show? What can people expect from future episodes of the show? And um, what I really want to get is, is more interesting guests than you've got on tonight. So people are a lot more <laughs> interested. One of the things that, that we're really going to look at is, is it's easy to talk about leadership strategies and models and there's thousands of books out there. But mm -hmm. what really make, what is leadership? What's behind it? What makes, what makes somebody who comes from a coal mining town into one of the most successful um, sports coaches that the world's ever seen? What takes someone from, you know, who's, who's got, if you look at it logically, everything going against them, what makes them a great business leader? What brings somebody who's not even got a college degree out to you know, have a successful company? So it's not just about you know, the rags, the riches, or anything like that, but certainly it's, it's, it's let's have a look at the person behind the leadership. What spurred them on? What's, what's given them that extra edge? Because one thing I've found that with lots of people I've worked with is the margins are really small. 
the differences are really, really tiny. And, you know, some people take, I've got friends who spectacularly failed at school. I mean, spectacularly failed at school. And they've got successful businesses in other countries. And I mean, really successful businesses. And I, I, you know, I've spoken to them about it. I've said, you know, is one of the things you've just said, well, I, I don't know how to fail, so I'm just going to keep on saying yes. Sometimes, sometimes we maybe don't have a, a risk counter is too high. So I just want to get behind it, make it real. Mm. People who are maybe, how shall I say it, this is a, a little bit streetwise. Maybe they've done things, you know, it's not necessarily textbook and it's really worked and it's worked out well. So I want to, I want to get people who've got real experience who've maybe fallen into it rather than, my path is, come on, we've seen it now, Sam, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, I think a lot of people now are being forced to be entrepreneurs because the absolutely and this is what happened in 2008-2009 yeah it's exactly yep. what happened and what we're going to have now is, a, is that movement we're going to have people who are entrepreneurs of creating a job for themselves mm. you know we can look at either way so it happened hugely in the UK so I remember the government said, isn't this wonderful? We're coming out of a recession. So many new companies are being started. You know, people have just created jobs for themselves. Jobs themselves, right. right. Um, so we're going to have that kind of movement again. But you know, what is a true entrepreneurial spirit? Mm. What is a true leader? Mm. You know, what, what's the empathy that's needed there? If you look at somebody like Andrew Carnegie, his history is really checkered. Really, really checkered. And he realized that he should have done things differently as he got older. Right. So what's, what's the view? How do we bring that kind of experience and give it to somebody and bottle it? We always say, you know, what would you tell your younger self? So it's, it's, it's all about just what's the motivation about to keep it real? And maybe, just maybe, somebody's story here will begin to inspire someone else just to, just to reach out, to take a little bit of a risk, or to, to look at things in a slightly different way. Um, Textbooks are great, but if it, see if this was easy, right. we wouldn't train ourselves. We just read a book and do it. Right. That's not how. That's not how mine works. Right. Yeah, and Andrew Carnegie was one of the big inspirations for Napoleon Hill writing his book, uh, uh, "Think and Grow Rich." Yep. You know, he, he was the one who really took Napoleon Hill under his wing and said, "Go out and interview all these successful people. And let me know what you find out." The original masterminds came yep. from there. And we, we, we're talking about mastermind groups. There's something I run is mastermind group. Yeah. This, is, this is in this book. None of this is new. Yeah. It's about how do we make it accessible for us? How do we make it, how do we touch and feel it and use it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, um, but everybody's story is unique. Yeah. And I, I, you know, we've got people that are coming on, they've got PhDs, I've got people that are coming on that, they, they, they haven't got a college degree. I've got people coming on that from, you know, that they've been successful in business and now own professional sports teams. I've got people who have given up over the last few weeks, have given up their own job to go out and manage the field hospitals that we've needed here in New York. That's leadership and yeah. that's real. So what we're going to do is we're going to look to get as many people in there with really interesting stories and, um, and just get behind them. Why did you do what you did? What's the driver? And, you know, what would we say to other people? And, and get, just get that dialogue going. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to learn so much. The one th there's one thing, Auntie, one thing. 
I will not be the smartest guy in, uh, on the program every single week. <laughs> Everybody else will be smarter, more interesting than me. I guarantee you. Well, I, I think it's very, very timely for you to be starting your show now and doing it. Uh, you know, uh, uh, something you said before about people now becoming more entrepreneurial because of what's happened. I had a conversation with my friend Cynthia not all that long ago who um, was telling me how, you know, she, she's a fellow entrepreneur that like in the, in the circles, they were saying how like right now, or, or let's say as of like six months ago, a couple of years ago, maybe that like one third of the workforce in the United States worked for themselves and two thirds worked for somebody else, but that they were expecting the trends that they were looking at was like over the next 10, 15, 20 years, that would shift from one third to two thirds working for themselves and one third working for other people. But now this whole situation is totally accelerating that. And I think we're gonna find in not in 10 or 15 years, but maybe in two or three years, that maybe two thirds of the population is gonna end up working for themselves in some fashion. So your show is gonna be great uh, guidance, a great example, and a, and a great place uh, for real life information, stories, experience, knowledge for people to learn from. So thank you. Welcome to the network. Thank you. Really so, so pleased and so happy and so grateful uh, that you're joining us, Graham. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, Seth. And thank you, Jeff, for all the comments on Facebook. I was just teasing you before. Don't, don't, be, don't be hurt. Um, you, you'll have your opportunity next Tuesday night for Rediscovering New York. Got to catch Jeff's show. Uh, oh, I'm going to be sending questions. So everyone, thank you for tuning in for the premiere of The Mind Behind right here on talkradio.nyc with Graham Dobbin. And next week he's going to be in the uh, hot seat and he'll be interviewing uh, whoever he gets on the show next week. So I hope you'll stay tuned and come back and join us then. All right, everybody, take care. Have a good night. Good night.